Welcome to this time of prayer and reflection on Sunday the 27th of June, the fourth Sunday after Trinity. Let us pray. Sing to the Lord, you servants of his, give thanks to his holy name. Living God, help us to know your presence with us as we worship you today. Fill us with your spirit, draw us close to you in love, joy and peace. Amen. We listen now to the hymn, My Song is Love Unknown. reading from Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, 
to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope, to give one's cheek to the smiter, to be filled with insults. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. Today's psalm we will hear performed um, by the William Ferris Chorale. It is Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered round him, and he was by the lake. 
Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was twelve years of age. And at this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Man Interrupted Becoming a Listener to a Woman's Whole Truth A talk for the fourth Sunday after Trinity Jairus was a man unaccustomed to being interrupted A man of some position, a leader of the synagogue His days were set out in order Prayers, meetings, meals, more meetings, more prayers And this was to be expected This was to be respected This routine which gave this man his power And position in a world of powerful men but when his daughter became critically ill, when her near-death condition touched him, he felt his power drain from him. For this interruption to Jairus's life revealed his powerlessness in the face of his beloved child's suffering, his inability to help or save her. So here in Mark's Gospel passage we see this esteemed elder of the community throw himself at the feet of an imposter, a freewheeling guru peripheral to Jairus' institution, Jesus, with his reputation for healing, Jairus desperate for any help he could find to restore his beloved child's health. 
We might imagine Jairus weeks beforehand taking the first call from his wife, asking him to come home quickly to help attend to his suddenly ill daughter. We can imagine his irritation at this message interrupting, let's say, an important finance meeting, his head starting to spin between the things he had planned for work that day and this unforeseen domestic difficulty. We might map out Jairus's alteration over the coming weeks from being a man in complete control of his circumstances to one brought literally to his knees by a problem he could not solve. Touched by this ailing daughter whom he loved so much, all his worldly power drained away. Today's Gospel passage describes two men interrupted in the course of their lives, interrupted by two women in a world where that should not happen. Let us turn to look at Jesus in this scene, a man at the height of his powers as a teacher and healer, driven by a sense of his own destiny, empowered by the crowds who pursued him everywhere. In this moment, Jesus was a man on a mission, handed to him by Jairus at his wit's end, Imagine the transfer of power between these two men when Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. Jesus, full of his own importance as a healer, unstoppable on the route which led to Jairus' house and his daughter's sickbed. Until that moment when from nowhere Jesus felt all this power drain from him and was stopped in his tracks by a woman who bled. The active Jesus, the Jesus in motion, the one whose initiative powered all the events described in Mark's Gospel thus far, with a sense of purpose and direction, initiative and drive, is interrupted, disrupted, brought to a temporary halt. The initiative here belongs entirely to the woman. From first hearing about him from afar, she slowly but surely closes the gap between them and, touching him, triggers a flow of power from Jesus that is beyond Jesus' control, intention or even awareness. She is healed before Jesus is even conscious of her presence. When, finally, he says, your faith has made you well, he is simply naming what has already happened responding to the whole truth that she has told him. Sometimes it takes an interruption to shake us from ourselves and awaken us to another person's truth. In those moments when we are stopped in our tracks and we feel our power leave us, this power bound up in our action and our agency, when all this drains away, then and only then might we take account of life from a different perspective and allow this to change or even heal us. What was this woman's whole truth which she told Jesus? Doubtless the plain truth of her 12 years of hemorrhaging, the traumas of the treatments she endured under so many physicians, each unsuccessful. Is it likely that her truth would contain the testimonies many women tell to this day of those times she was unlistened to by the doctors supposedly diagnosing her, distrusting her judgment, telling her that she was not the most reliable narrator of her pain? 
Did her truth involve situations where she had felt exposed to treatment by people not entirely in control? This woman may have been suffering from what today is called endometriosis, a condition which has hospitalised the novelist Hilary Mantel. She recounts the last thing the surgeon said to her on the afternoon of her procedure. For you, this is a big thing, but remember, to us it is routine. But when I woke up, she said, many hours later, he was standing at the end of the trolley in the recovery room, grey and shrunken as if a decade had passed. He had expected to be home for dinner. And now look. The woman who spoke her truth to Jesus told of her poverty, having spent all that she had on medical treatment to no avail. Perhaps she also spoke of exhausting the goodwill of people around her who grew tired of her endless tales of menstrual woe, accused her of being a hypochondriac or of other kinds of madness which conspicuously, mostly only women are ever accused of. Neurosis, anxiety, depression, even hysteria. Did they repeatedly tell her, it's all in your mind, when she knew beyond doubt that it was in truth in her womb, in her ovaries, in her very blood? Had there been a husband whose faithfulness ran out? Did she speak of the sadness and shame she felt in being excluded, not just from the temple with its cleanliness laws, but from ordinary friendships, ordinary conversations, by feeling ill at ease at always being associated with this disease afflicting her? Think of the many different ways that this woman's whole truth affected Jesus. Think of how being stopped in his tracks like that must have challenged his drive and his busyness and his sense of the power and destiny of his purpose. Think of how this one who had become accustomed to being listened to by rapt audiences everywhere was challenged to become a listener to this woman's truth, challenged to listen well, to listen hard to things he'd never before been exposed to. Consider what emotions arose in him for this woman as she told him all her truth. For notice how Jesus responded to this woman's truth-telling, moved to not dismiss her as woman and send her coldly away, moved instead, maybe by seeing Jairus' evident deep love for his ailing child, Jesus called this woman daughter. He called her daughter that most loving and intimate of names. He called her daughter, embracing her as his own, and he sent her away with something she hadn't known for 12 years at least. He sent her away in peace. Another contemporary sufferer of endometriosis, Lauren Gross Blanco, writes of how she has found a true friend in this unnamed biblical character. Reflecting on her own condition, she, she writes that, although like the woman Jesus met, I will require a miracle to be cured. I have found deep healing in the hope which comes from a saviour who sees women like me.
us pray. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when, with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope and love. Amen.
with the Anglican Communion today. We pray for the United Church of Pakistan and for its leaders and people. With the Diocese of Leeds today, we pray for those who are due to be ordained in our diocese at this time. We pray for those who were ordained yesterday, for Elspeth Cansdale and Will Grant, Laura Martin, Jonathan Brennan, Caroline Brown, Shay Seaborn, June Coburn, Sally Osborne, Rachel Ford, Joshua Cocaine, Rob Harper, Tim Carroll, Ruth Bradley and Dorothea Birchman. And we ask God's blessing on their ministries as they continue now as priests to serve their churches in this place. We pray for the charity Endometriosis UK in their work of providing vital support and reliable information and a community for women and families affected by endometriosis. In our community today, we pray for our school leavers as they prepare to say goodbye to their friends in primary school and prepare for starting at their new schools in September. We pray for those we know in ill health, amongst them Robert Hurd, Joan Robson, James Patton and Doris Smith. And those who have died, particularly remembering this week Isabel Price and others who are on our hearts. As we give thanks for good lives well lived, we pray that God may keep us in the faith and the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, Increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we lose not our hold on things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We join in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn is Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord.
And we close with a blessing. God, the Holy Trinity, make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.